Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Am I Embarrassing You podcast. I'm your host, Zoe Wexler, here with my mom, Dr. Amy. Hello. Hello. And today's another episode talking about women having money and managing money and being in control of their lives. <laughs> because v- Via finances. Yes. Because our episode with Sally Krawcheck got an amazing response. That's mm-hmm. episode 19 if you want to go back. And Sally is just the fucking coolest woman I've mm-hmm. ever met. I love her. Love her. I want to hang out with her. We brought on, later in the episode today, Lauren Haggerty from Power to Fly, which is another company that gets women jobs that they want, helps them prepare for jobs. It's a worldwide organization, and we think it's really great. So later in the episode, you're going to hear an interview with Lauren. You're also going to hear an Ask Dr. Amy segment after the interview with Lauren. Don't turn off the episode in the middle, because we know you love the Ask Dr. Amy. And we just wanted to bring her on because, you know, I graduated college almost three weeks ago now. And it's a time in my life where I'm looking for jobs and opportunities and stuff, and everyone I know is too. And even if you're, you know, making a career change in the middle of your life or anything, it's important to know this stuff. And in a pandemic, a lot of the industry has changed. You know, mom has a friend who's getting her master's in education in the fall, and she's 55. And so, and that's incredible. So a change like this can come at any time. So Lauren was great. Hope you like that segment. Um... Yeah, and thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And oh, yeah. Write a quick good review if you don't mind. <laughs> yes, and we just got back from a weekend upstate, so we're a little tired. <laughs> we did. It was a lot of driving, but it was fun. We, it was fun. We canoed. We canoed. We canoed. We didn't see any wildlife, which was a big drag for me, but then we did meet two seven-and-a-half-week-old golden retriever puppies brother and sister <laughs> they so. were so it was this couple at the same hotel as us who had driven up to pick up a puppy that they had reserved from a breeder and they went with intending to get one and they came home with two and so they they had just moved to westchester from the city in the pandemic and they work remotely so it was perfect time for them to get one dog and then they ended up getting two and they were amazing and the owners were so nice and they let everyone play with them and oh my god i love those puppies it was amazing and we also saw beaver no i think it was an otter oh an otter on the highway on the way home but it, it made it across the yeah, highway yeah. safely everybody stopped it was actually very sweet <laughs> i've never seen an otter cross the road i think it was a little bit lost no but it seemed it got to nature in the end but then i have some sad news about nature yeah i'm pretty down right now because i don't know if you followed me last year or knew that i was pretty um involved yeah involved and excited about the goslings in Central Park last year, I um, found these, well, f- five goose nests around the, the Jackie O Reservoir, four of which hatched live goslings, and about 13 of them survived last year. It was really cool, and I went almost every day to watch them, and then we met this couple who's been following the geese there for years and has a whole chart on it and told us what food to get that was safe for them, and so we have this big bag of food in my office. And Jody and I would go after work and feed them almost every day. And so we started looking for them this year, about four weeks before. They, they hatched last year. The earliest was May 7th. So we started in early April. We were looking at cherry blossoms and we were looking for nests. And I have a picture of a nest from April 17th with like six eggs in it. Anyway, we, we found what we thought were three nests this year. And we, we kept going all last week and looking for them. And looking for goslings and nothing we saw nothing and today we went so on thursday there were three nests and t- 
with a with a goose sitting on top of it. And today there was only one. And I just thought that that seemed weird. So I texted um, one of the people in the couple that was watching them last year. And he said he thinks that the Department of Environmental Protection actually removed the eggs, like disposed of them. Killed them. Yeah. Well, they're not alive yet, but yeah, like... You know what I mean? They smashed the eggs. Yes. Because there's only one egg left and there were no shells. Like, last year we saw there were hawks trying to eat them and yeah, egrets and, and stuff. Yeah, and they do, and that's nature. Yeah, and we did see, like, parts of eggs last year that yeah. either didn't hatch or were eaten. But there's just nothing now. Right. And when a hawk eats an egg, it's a huge mess, and you can tell. Yes. But it's, like, eerie because there's no remnants. And there are so many geese, and geese travel, they mate for life, and they travel in couples... And in groups, and there are so many geese in the reservoir just walking around or fl- swimming around. Yeah, with, they look kind with, of with lost. No purpose. And these are resident geese. These aren't the geese that pe- get a bad name and fly really high and can sometimes like mess up airplanes and poop everywhere and bring flu from Canada. These geese live in New York, live yeah. in Central Park, and kind of think I recognize them from last year. But anyway, and maybe they recognize me because we were there a lot. We had some food. We, we fed them. Today. We fed them today. But. Um, there's one egg and that somehow escaped whoever took all the other eggs. And so we're going to try to figure out what happened. If, if anyone's listening, I know likelihood <laughs> of this is small and happen to hear about this or see anyone remove the eggs. I, I don't even know what or to say. Or if you care and want to help mom find out what happened, Ugh. DM us or email us. It just, last year they were so cute. I mean, of course they're cute. Baby anythings are cute, but also it was so hopeful, like new life and spring and they were just adorable, and it was fun to watch them grow and watch their parents be overprotective at first <laughs> and then let them swim and let them get a little further away. Like, the whole thing was just a cycle of life. It was beautiful, and it's gone. Yeah. It's a real shame. So if I sound a little down, it's because I am sad about the goslings. Yes. Or lack thereof. Yes, the lack of goslings. Yeah. Okay. Well, now it's time for the interview with Lauren. Hope you like it, and stay tuned afterwards for an Ask Dr. Amy segment. Today for our segment, we're joined by by Lauren Haggerty, the Director of Marketing and Community for Power to Fly, which is the fastest growing diversity recruiting platform that connects underrepresented talent with Fortune 500 corporations and fast growing startups. Lauren launched Power to Fly's virtual chat and learn program in 2018 and has hosted over 300 conversations with female thought leaders worldwide. Before that, Lauren worked as a community engagement manager for the industry leading home automation platform, Wink. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for being on our podcast. It's my pleasure. We're starting to get into more talking about women in the workplace, women and having money. And so this is a great way to do that. Yeah. So we just graduated last week. I did. And got her first real job. I'll say real yesterday. Congrats. Thank you. It's such an exciting time. So I told Zoe that we had met before and talked a bunch. And so We've got some questions about your role at Power to Fly and just for our listeners to mm-hmm. learn more about what you do. So super excited. Yeah. <laughs> it hit me. Okay. <laughs> well, can you just start first about like just fill us in on what Power to Fly is and what your role is there? Yeah. So Zoe, you know, kind of hit the nail on the head with her description, yeah. but to dive in a little bit more. So Power to Fly's mission is really to fast track economic equality by upskilling and connecting underrepresented talent to roles in highly visible sectors. 
So, you know, really when I talk about power to fly, I talk about us in two major buckets. So in one bucket, we're helping underrepresented people from across the globe level up their careers, be it through new jobs, making introductions to hiring managers, helping them upskill, or you know, truly by providing programming that suits the season of, the, of their career that they're in right now. In the other bucket, we also help companies become more diverse, equitable, and inclusive through a variety of different products, such as dedicated sourcing, training, mentorship, and of course, access to the Power to Fly job board. So as the director of marketing and community, it's really my responsibility to grow both that job seeker community and help expand our employer communities which are both super crucial to ensuring that our business is successful, but of course, in very different ways. So that's, you know, in a nutshell, what we do at Power to Fly and what I do there. That's awesome. Which side is bigger or busier? Um, really, it's, you know, one bucket that feeds the other. So we would not have, you know, we wouldn't be a business that makes money and I wouldn't have a job if we didn't have clients that paid us, but, you know, the clients wouldn't pay us if we didn't have people who they could hire or, you know, participate in their events and, and what have you. So it really is this two-pronged solution. And People laugh at me a lot when I'm like, yeah, we're both a B2B and a B2C company in, in very different ways. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say one's bigger than another. They're both equally important. So I, just out of my own curiosity, and I'm sure our listeners too, could you walk us through like if one person came onto the flower, Power to Fly website, I almost said Flower to Fly, which I do <laughs> all the time as I switch the first letters. Um, like how, what's this, the process like of, of signing up and joining? Great question. And it's super easy. So, I mean, first, Powerfly is totally free for all community Great. members to use. Um, so, you know, really the best, you know, way to utilize Powerfly is to sign up. Um, create a free profile, and it's very similar to LinkedIn, where you know you're adding your skills, you're adding your experience. But we like to add a little more personalization to our profiles, so you can tell you know a little um, a little story about your background or you know what you are passionate about. Um, and basically, these free profiles exist um, for our employers to essentially you know search and hopefully find opportunities. So as um, you know, our, our employers are looking to hire and you can like flag your profile as being you know, open to opportunities or being you know, just a community member. Um, they can find you, invite you to apply to a, a role or go to an event. Um, and as a job seeker or just community member, you then have access to all of our virtual programming and what was you know, in-person programming a year and a half ago. Um, but yeah, once you have that profile, you can attend our summits, you can attend our um, daily virtual chats with industry leaders from across the globe, like the chat and learn program that you talked about a little bit earlier, Zoe, and then, you know, apply to jobs, um, participate in anything that is on Power to Fly. So create that free profile and then explore. And I'm sure we'll have something that suits your needs. You should do that. Okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's open to everyone or it's mostly women or people. Yeah. It's open to 
everyone. So we are totally inclusive of all people, regardless of race, ethnicity, gender, um, gender identity. And we really, you know, have worked hard, especially over the last year to create programming that, you know, feels inclusive to everyone. Um, so whether it's, you know, looking to be an ally to one of these underrepresented communities, or, you know, find something that fits, like I said, the season of your career. So a lot of people are, you know, transitioning roles or looking for their first role, or they took time off to raise families. Um, we have a little something for everyone, which is amazing. And, um, you know, really there's, there's so much that you can do and see and watch and read on Power to Fly. It's amazing. Sounds great. So cool. Yeah. How, how long has Power to Fly been in business? We've been around since 2014. Um, so we're really kind of just hitting our stride now, um, which is amazing. And I've been at the company for four years and it's quite astonishing to see just the transformation in this short time. I mean, any, anyone that works at a startup knows one year is like 10 years, <laughs> so much changes, um, but it's incredible. It's been an amazing place to work. I, I can't speak highly enough of it. Well, that's great to hear. That is awesome. So as I kind of said before, we're trying to expand our vocabulary and our episodes and talk more about money. Um, we had one episode so far with Sally Krawcheck, which was one of our top rated episodes talking about women in finance and women investing and using their money to make more money. So what kind of things or specific topics do you think we should focus on to talk about to keep this going? Yeah. So it's, it's funny. Today was the last day of our financial inclusion summit at Power to Fly. So we have spent the last week talking about financial inclusion and, you know, how we can increase representation, not only in the finance industry, but through all financial situations um, that people face, be it investing or, you know, uh, working in fintech, you know, what have you. Um, but something that really surprised me was, you know, as women, we actually maintain more buying power than our male counterparts. Yet studies show that we feel less empowered when it comes to making big financial decisions. Um, you know, we see the same thing when it comes to uh, salary negotiation and really the job process, holistically speaking. So, you know, in my opinion, it would be really interesting to dig into that more. Um, why as women do we face such imposter syndrome around money and why do we, you know, have such a fear when it comes to these real big decisions because we are making them, you know, we, we have that power. Um, Imposter syndrome is just such an interesting topic to talk about as a whole, but you know, bring money into the situation. And then, you know, I think the, there's a lot to uncover there. I agree. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. There's an article, I think, was it in the Times yesterday, about how your generation is more transparent about talking about how much money you earn? Yeah. I talk about that with my friends all the time. And I, I think we both know, like the friend or whatever, that it's Kind of cool i'm like oh you know i was offered this and you know i have a friend who's starting in grad school in the fall she's like oh yeah i'll be making x and it's like it's just cool to know that and we're like oh yeah like this our friend who graduated is is like works at this company and she's making like three times like what we you know wouldn't be making but it's good to talk about that stuff yeah and feel like it's so normal to know each other's salaries because why like why not whatever well, exactly. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we talk about the pay equity gap and, you know, why that exists and how we're going to combat it. But, 
you know, at the end of the day, we just need to talk about it. Like you said, Zoe, you know, if we as just close friends and I think about, you know, my inner circle and the five to 10 people I'm closest with, none of them even do remotely what I do um, for a living. They're all in like the healthcare field actually. So, um, you know, it doesn't feel as taboo to talk about what we make, but at the same time, you know, I would expect some of my friends who, you know, are saving lives to be making a lot more money than I do. And sometimes that's not the case. Um, And being in this position, you know, it's, it's been a real eye opener and I've been able to help my friends really advocate what they for what they deserve and make sure that they are getting the most out of their negotiations um but you know again that's all to say you know we would never have these conversations if we weren't brave enough to just say this is what i make and you know these are my responsibilities xyz so yeah i think we should talk about it more i think so too and i think it's it's helped a lot of women well it's opened their eyes to see that they're being underpaid yes you know, someone has the same exact position a new hire getting more what you know and then they can maybe look for a new job and I remember the, a couple of actresses saying when the when their male counterparts mm-hmm. have told them how much they earned because they had no idea because it's all supposed to be a big secret for women yeah that's a thing we're not supposed to talk about it no one's supposed to tell us the guy is supposed to keep it a secret just in the locker room so weird it's just a power thing I think mm-hmm. but growing up like I don't know how much money any of my friends make it's it's never been a topic of conversation except when I was a resident or an intern in the hospital we would figure out like how much money we're making an hour when I was an intern we worked like 80 to 100 hours a week and it was way less than minimum wage like a dollar something you know oh my god but it's my god again it's not about that though like it when you're in the hospital when you're a medical intern or resident because it's such a learning experience so you know, but the, but the salary is a, is a joke. Yeah. So then I used to I certainly would joke about that to my friends, right. I, my friends who like went to law school and were making 80 to a hundred thousand out of, and I was making, you know, like $38,000 <laughs> working a hundred hours a week, right. but, but learning so much. So it, it wasn't, you know, I couldn't absolutely compare them, but I think that's the last time I talked to friends about how much I earned was when I was earning so little. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, maybe it is something that we talk about now because most of my friends are at most two years out of college and I'm just a few weeks out of college. Um, so maybe as we, you be kind of establish a career, it, you talk about it less, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope not. I won't know. Well, I'm, I don't even know a lot more than two. <laughs> I probably, <laughs> I can't do the math in my head, but I mean, my friends are like 15, 20 years out of college. And like I said, we just had these conversations um, yeah. and have them pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. But I also think that it does boil down to, too, our generation, you know, changing careers so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially given the space that we're in in the world. And, you know, now that we are like majority remote, um, what does that mean on salary? You know, a lot of people have questions about that. And also, you know, maybe it is the fact that I work, you know, in the recruitment industry that people do feel comfortable talking with me. Um, I don't know, but I mean, that's a great question to kind of pull the world. How many of you do talk about salary with your friends? Yeah, no, it's definitely something worth pursuing and worth like keep jabbing at. Also, like, I know this is a tangent, but also with your significant other, like that's something that's so important Mm. to talk about money. Um, Mm. We talked about that a lot with Sally. Um, so totally. talk, speaking about changing your careers quickly, a question we have for you is that it's hard to change careers in a pandemic. 
and a lot of young people are changing careers, you know, every year they're learning what they like. Do you have any tips for that or tips for interviewing when everything is remote and you're not actually meeting your coworkers? Oh my gosh. Yes. I have so much <laughs> advice. Um, so I'll, I'll try and put like my top tips together okay. uh, pretty concisely. Um, so if you're coming right out of school or you're pivoting careers or, you know, you just haven't been on the market for a new job in a while, you know, my first advice is to really apply to everything and take every single interview that you get offered, even if you have no interest in taking the job, because job applications and interviews in many ways are like a performance. You know, the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. So now with everything being virtual, um, and as some companies are calling this, you know, the great rehiring, the job market is actually super saturated with candidates who might have been let go thanks to COVID um, and just have that much more experience than you might have. And maybe they've been interviewing, you know, for, for six months longer than you have. So really, you want to make sure that by the time you get asked back to your dream interview, so the you know, situation has now gotten really great, you're interviewing with your top company or wherever you want to be, um, you want to feel confident with whatever that process has to offer, all of the hard questions and you're know, thinking back to the mistakes you made in the process two, three inter interviews ago, that's not going to happen now because you've done it. You know how to tackle it. You know how to answer that question. Um, so, you know, take the interview. It might take a lot of time, but it is so, so worth it at the end of the day when you're looking back on it. And then secondly, something that we really preach at Power to Fly is, you know, just applying via a job board doesn't cut it anymore. Um, and again, going back to that great rehiring, uh, applicants really need to find a closer touch point to the companies that they're most interested in. So whether that's, you know, a secondary connection on LinkedIn, a friend of a friend, or you're joining platforms like Power to Fly, where you get to interact with these companies on a more intimate level and are set up for virtual success. Um, Hiring managers actually notice when applicants mention that they, you know, attended this event with XYZ product manager at their company, um, and they learned this, this, and this from that blog post that was written about, you know, Sally. So, um, you know, better yet, when an applicant connects with that person, even if they're not the hiring manager, they say, hey, I read your blog post on Power to Fly. It was really amazing. I can't believe you went through this. You know, I'm applying to this position. Would you be able to point me in the direction of the hiring manager or so on? Um, that's how hiring managers know you want this job and how they can set you apart. And, you know, we talk with hiring managers every single day and they are actually actioning these, these things. So, um, you know, find a way to get involved and just make yourself stand out that much more in this super saturated market. Awesome. Lauren, quick question. But I always wonder, because I hear I have patients all day long interviewing for jobs. You're doing how many interviews is does someone usually have to go through in order to get hired? Is there an average number or does it depend on the position? Do you mean like interviews for one company or yeah. just like interviews with lots of different companies? No, no. Like if you're one company, you know, three interviews with that company, five, two, like what's the average? 
So I don't know what the average is, but I will say the companies with the shorter amount of interview steps uh, usually tend to be more inclusive. Um, the people that don't make interviewees jump through hoops to get to, you know, De the de or destination. Um, obviously, I'd be weary of any company that interviews someone one time and then, you know, you're hired. Maybe that happens. I haven't seen that. But, you know, typically, you know, we see and what we, you know, suggest to our clients is, you know, no more than four interviews. Um, and, you know, again, it depends on the position. Um, some of the, you know, more executive senior level positions are going to take a little bit longer. Um, you know, people are starting to do more in-person interviewing and hiring. So that looks a little bit different now than, you know, of course it did six months to a year ago. Um, but I'd say, you know, sticking within that three to four uh, interviews is usually average. Yeah. So I had two. And, and how long should there be between each interview? Like if you don't hear back within a week, is it dead or not necessarily? And should you reach out if you don't hear back? Love this question too. And it is also so situational, but you know, we usually say like the seven day, well, one, actually, let me even back up. At Power to Fly, the thank you note is king. And oh, I know that is a very like, uh, I don't know, debated discussion, but it goes a long way for us to know that you know, not only do you appreciate our time as interviewees mm -hmm. um, or interviewers, but you, uh, you know, you want this, that you're thinking about it, that, you know, we're top of mind. And, you know, regardless of what the thank you note says, just shows that you have that skill set of following through on something that you really want, you know, that speaks volumes to us. And I, I should know that that's also a very cultural thing. Um, we're a totally global team. So, you know, I do a lot of hiring in Argentina, in Europe. Um, and the thank you note is not, you know, culturally relevant there. So, you know, our recruiter actually really explicitly lays this out when people are interviewing for Power to Fly that, you know, a thank you note is expected. Um, they don't like point them to our email address or our LinkedIn, but it's very clear that, you know, the candidates who want these roles follow up with us. So, one, if you're applying to a job, you know, send a thank you note, even if it's just the bare minimum. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate your you know, insights, X, Y, Z. You know, you can go above and beyond, of course, but got to follow up within 24 hours of that interview. Um, if you don't hear back from your, whoever you talk to or the recruiter, usually seven days is a good benchmark. Um, you know, if you had a really great conversation, um, if it's like the second or third interview, three days, um, you know, is, is okay too. But, you know, after seven days and you send an email and don't hear back, I mean, you have to consider, you know, whether or not that is, you know, your job. And, you know, if someone didn't follow up with you after seven days and you sent one or two, you know, emails, thanking them, inquiring, and they don't have the respect for your time to follow up with you. Is that somewhere that you want to work? Um, and again, it's situational because all companies are different. The process at a little startup where there are three team members and you interviewed with all of them, and if none of them get back to you, you know, that's a little strange. But if you're interviewing with like a massive corporation like Amazon or Microsoft, which by the way, 
just did an event with Microsoft and they do follow up with their applicants. So maybe a bad example, but um, you can expect the follow up to be a little bit more delayed uh, with some of those companies. And, you know, again, it boils down to what you want. So, you know, you have to set your own expectations as a candidate and you should be looking for a job that, you know, you love and fit and feel supported in just as much as they're looking and screening you. That's a great way to think about it. Yeah, that is. Because it puts you in a little position of power. Yeah, absolutely. Not so passive. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they have to show you that they respect you as well. Exactly. Yeah. It's just as much an interview. Yeah. Yeah. Just as much you're interviewing them as they're interviewing you. Yeah. I like that. Me too. All right. So we're going to change tech. I think we could talk to you all day, all night. But so for all of our guests, we ask a couple of questions. One is if you could think of one or the most embarrassing moment between you and your mom since this podcast is, am I embarrassing you? Oh, I love this question. And I could think of so many, but I uh, wanted to share a professional one that I think ties into just the theme of this interview. So, so you talked about how I launched like our virtual chat and learn program. And I, I kind of elaborated that, you know, this was, this program is now uh, like a big deal at Power to Fly. It contributes to a ton of our success and I'm really, really proud of it. But when I launched the Chat and Learn program, it was way before virtual events were cool. And it was really this like grand EOS idea that I had. And of course now in retrospect, you know, it all worked out, but it was terrifying. It was not cool. It was not popular. And I worked really, really hard to find speakers and get people to attend. Um, I, you know, really relied on our co-founder to just try and get some street credit and hopefully like force people to come to these events. But anyways, um, I just panicked that no one would show up to these conversations. And, you know, we ended up getting this really great speaker and I was so excited. And just as I feared, nobody came to this chat. So what does one do when they're panicking at work? They call my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So I called my mom. My mom logged into this virtual conversation from like six different devices. She had both her cell phones, all her computers, her work computer, her personal computer. She took my brother's laptop, our home landline. I mean, so we had like, 12 different Sally's, Kim's, Jen, Ann, uh, all over. It was amazing. Um, And actually the speaker never realized uh, that these were all like the same person. That's amazing. Um, It was awesome. So my mom saved the day. Uh, She saved me from total embarrassment. Um, That is so cute. I love that. So it makes me happy. (laughs) It's so cute. You would do that. I would tell, of course I would do 100%. that. <laughs> <laughs> so Stacy, if anyone sees a, a Stacy on our, our Power to Fly chat and learns, you know, she likes to make an appearance every now and then <laughs> uh, today. So <laughs> Love it. Love what does your mom do? So my mom is actually uh, an entrepreneur as well. So she runs her own company. She creates um, training for, you know, companies all over the world. So oh, wow. yeah. That's awesome. She's That's awesome. Yeah. Pretty awesome chick too. <laughs> so our second question we ask every guest is what's your favorite breakfast cereal? Oh my gosh. This is an easy one. Um, cinnamon toast crunch. That's uh, Zoe's. Really? Oh my I gosh. Think, I think you're the second guest to have that. What? 
I mean, it's the best cereal of all time. And I used to steal boxes from the dining hall in college. So ever (laughs) since it's been like the best guilty pleasure of all time. So I can't believe your college had that. I know, mine didn't, mine didn't. I know, I am very fortunate. (laughs) I love that. We just had like Cheerios and Rice Krispies. Oh, we had the good stuff, but it only came every once in a while. So that's why, you know, you had to act fast. That's really that was awesome. That's great. Oh, we loved having you on. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you both. This was so much fun. So where can we find Power to Fly? I know the website is powertofly.com. And yes, Power to Fly on Instagram as well. Yep, we're Power to Fly everywhere, but it's not a two. So it's Power T-O Fly. Yes. All one word, no spaces um, on all the social channels and powertofly.com. That's perfect. Awesome. Well, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Again, this was so much fun. I really appreciate it. Oh, yay. Thank you for coming. This was great. Thanks, Lauren. It's time for an Ask Dr. Amy segment. Hope you loved the episode with Lauren. She's so cool. Very cool. We loved her. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. Okay. First question. How was the in upstate? Well... <laughs> First of all, we had a great time. First of all, we make our own fun anywhere yes. we go. Yes, we do. And it was a gift. Yes. Our trip was a gift from our family, and that was very nice. So nice. So I would say the staff was incredible. The place was cute. The food was bad. Yes. The in itself was a little rickety. The doors were plywood. So <laughs> there were hornet's nests outside. Okay. You couldn't go on the terrace. I'm, I'm just going to specify some things that you're saying. Okay. Our terrace had a hornet's nest on it, which yes. they didn't know about. So we told yes. them and they're going to get an exterminator. It was the weekend, so they couldn't get one. Yeah, but they were everywhere, those yeah. hornets. Yeah. Big hornets. And it's very, because it's a very old house, the inn, it's yeah. very, the walls are very, very thin. Oh, yes. We heard a lot of conversations. Yes. And so we met a family who brought kid, three little kids and they said it was rough for them because the kids needed to sleep. And the rooms were tiny. Yes. The staff was so nice, like beyond nice. Yes. And we went canoeing. And it's a beautiful location. But it's on a main road and you have to walk across the street to get down to the lake. And we think there should be stop signs yes, on either side. Yes, there should definitely be stop signs. I, I'm worried about people crossing the right. road there. A lot of people bring dogs and kids, so. Yeah. Yes, but. We had fun. Nice. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, next question. What is your favorite laser treatment to remove sunspots on one's face? Okay, so sunspots can come in different varieties. The main ones, or the ones that people often think of, are brown. Those are called solar lentigos. They have big freckles. They can be really dark. My favorite laser to remove those is Fraxel. Fraxel is a pretty strong laser, but it works great. It's not a treatment that I do starting now until the, until the summer's over because the laser makes you sun sensitive. But Fraxel is really good. Um, the sun also creates extra blood vessels on the face that are red and pink and sometimes purple and i use a different laser for that a pulse dye laser called the v-beam laser sometimes for sunspots i can also spot treat them in kind of an old-fashioned treatment with an acid called trichloracetic acid and i paint it on very precisely and the sunspot peels off in like four to five days that's so cool yeah it's it's like 50 percent better with one treatment but it's easy stings for about two minutes then it looks like I painted white out on it. it. looks white for about four hours. Then the white fades and it's a scab. It's like a darker version of itself and slightly raised, but you can mm-hmm. put concealer on it. Yeah, that's the thing you can do more than once on the same spot. Oh, sure. You can do it 
any number of times. Okay. Same, same with the Fraxel, same with the V-beam. I've had patients who I laser and then, you know, I taught them about sun protection and trying to protect what they just improved. And inevitably people who like the sun like the sun. So the spots come back or new ones are made and we laser them again. You know, <laughs> over time, most people, if they invest time and money into something, change their habits. But it's hard to change habits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Next question. Sure. Thoughts on having a male babysitter? I have three boys. This is actually a great question for us because we had a male nanny. A yeah, manny. We had a manny. Dario. Dario. We love Dario. Hey, Dario. There's no way he's listening. There's no way he's listening. But I would love it if he was. Such a good guy. <laughs> um, so we had a manny for Jaden. When, so when you were too old to need a babysitter anymore, yeah. we just thought it would be a good idea to have like a guy around, especially since your dad moved away and stuff. Yeah. I think mannies are awesome. Also, like, can find someone who has the same interests as your kids. Doesn't have mm-hmm. to be a guy. You know, a lot of women are into sports and that kind of stuff, but... Um, I think it's great. I think just like with any babysitter you're going to hire, you do a background check, you talk to references. But um, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, Jay and Dario, they had so much fun. They would wrestle. They would go out to restaurants. They'd, it was great. They and, did. And they, he's just such a nice person to, to be in our house. It's just like any, any babysitter. He was a good role model. Yes. Mm-hmm. Last question. What's the real deal on collagen powders? Yay or nay? I'm saying nay. I've said nay since the beginning of this whole collagen fad. And I think that's all it is, a fad. Just like I think microneedling should just be a fad. I digress. Collagen, if you eat it, gets digested in the stomach and intestines into its amino acids that make it up, just like any protein that we eat. So when they first came out, I called a gastroenterologist friend of mine and I said, am I missing something? Like, if you eat some collagen, isn't the same as eating some animal protein and we just digest it, blah, blah, blah. He said, yeah. I said, so none of that's going to get up to the skin, right? He said, no. I said, okay, <laughs> good. I didn't think so. So that doesn't make sense. But then I've been reading some articles lately about some of potential dangers in some of these supplements because oh. you don't know what's in them. They could be things that are make people prone to allergies or you know, allergic reactions or some other reactions that are bad so i say stay away from them yeah it's popular to put them in your coffee in the morning really yes like collagen peptides i think is what they call them okay don't waste your money yeah on this collagen bullshit because you just <laughs> digest it. that's what i was gonna say you yes just, just like most things we eat like it doesn't get up to the skin in any appreciable amount because first it's digested in the stomach and small intestine absorbed through then absorbed has to go through the liver first. That's called first pass through the liver. The liver uses what it needs. Then it goes through the bloodstream, goes to all the other organs and the blood cells. And then if there's anything left, it gets up to the skin. Okay. The skin gets what it needs, but right. it's not going to get like extra from eating all this stuff. No. So the best way to grow collagen in your skin is to one, never sunbathe, right? Two, never smoke or be around secondhand smoke. Three, get enough sleep. We make collagen every night when we sleep. So if you're skimping on sleep, you're not making collagen. You're certainly not going to make up for it by eating this collagen junk. <laughs> That's what I say. I said stress, right? No. No, sleep. Okay, and then keep your stress levels as low as possible. I know that's <laughs> easy to say. Believe me, it's not easy to do. I know that. Um, but that's another thing that breaks down collagen. So I know in the U.S. we're always looking for a quick fix, we Americans. Like... You know, I'm going to only sleep four hours a night, but I'm going to take my collagen powder and grow collagen anyway. I wish it worked like that, but it doesn't. Okay. You should let us know. All right. Don't waste your money. 
that's all we have for you today okay as always you can follow us on instagram at embarrassing you podcast and email us for any questions suggestions questions at info at embarrassing you podcast.com see you soon bye ciao